Well, welcome back, everybody. <laughs> For those of you who've been joining us, or this is your first time joining us, we talk about the nitty gritty uh, side of aircraft maintenance. We also like to impart a little bit of our humor, some of our wisdom, and the hopes of all of this is to give you that split seconds relief to prevent a mishap and to hopefully give you some insight to not make the same mistakes as majority of us have in our careers. <laughs> yeah. Now, I know we talk about the nitty gritty side of, of aircraft maintenance, but we do, we do spend an awful lot of time talking about um, the corporate and executive side of things too. Uh, yes. Just for those, you might say, well, then you're not true to aircraft maintenance. Well, maybe, but I think for most of us, um, you can impart a lot of that stuff in your day-to-day operations, or if you're looking to grow within your organization, you're going to have to learn about most of that stuff. Yes, absolutely. And and with that said, uh, there's a lot of stuff that majority of the average aircraft mechanic tends to avoid. And that's the office politics, right? Uh, We've said it ourselves. We're guilty of it of of ourselves for the longest time. We'd say like, no, nah, that's just all office politics bullshit. I don't want to be a part of it. I just yeah, want to actively avoid that. I stay away from it. Right. And, you know, I just want to get in, do my job and get the heck out. Right. Earn my check and just keep on mo- moving, keep on trucking. The but sad- as Six and I were talking on offline, uh, whether you realize it or not, you're, you are playing the, the corporate chess game. Um, by but you know by you saying I don't actively get involved or or I avoid that that means you're a pawn in the game. Yes, you're not I, you're not making the uh, the power moves for your own to better yourself, right? To to get your own checkmate, you're you're the pawn that's going to be wasted while yes. somebody else uh, goes for the kill the killing move. Right, and as sad as that is, we're not knocking that some people just like the situation they're in they like the the awareness of it they like the comfortability flexibility whatever what have you if that's your due by all means you know like we it it's okay to want to stay there you just have to be aware that this is how everyone else sees you like well and and you know okay you're you're happy where you're at right you're you're good with being in the hangar on the line whatever there's nothing wrong with that, but you're still part of the chess game. But if you don't play the game, you might say, well, I don't play that. I don't plan on moving up into, into management or, or into corporate or whatever. So there's no reason for me to play. Well, no, I mean, the chess game goes down even at that level. You could say, if I don't, if I don't play the game, and make a power move. Okay. Well, Hey guys, I know we've been, uh, we've been working 12 hours a day, seven days a week for the last three months, but due to our continued poor planning, you get to do that for another three months, you know? Yes. But if you, you got to play the game and, and, and checkmate that shit and, and, and get you and your crew, uh, make the move to get you guys off that schedule in a better, a better medium or, Hey, you know, our, our support equipment's lacking. We need this play that chess game, man, get that funding allotted so you can improve that you're, it's necessary for them to buy that equipment for you so you can be more efficient and effective at your job. Yes. And we, we've, I think we've inherently said this as we're going along. Like sometimes the, the chess game is just wording something different or letting something 
fail to a certain acceptable degree so that people start listening or people start realizing what's going on. Sometimes, you know, you, um, you just have to have someone else make the address. It's very basic. It's very petty, but that's very much a part of the, the chess game. As we were saying, that's part of very much part of the office politics, as we were saying. And despite, um, the negative connotations of it all, it's not all inherently evil. It's not just like, I'm here to treat people as pawns and step my, my personal way up the ladder and reach the top of the pyramid. It's not necessarily like that. Some people treat it that way, yes. But understanding how people and environments and the situations you're in evolve around each other or sorry, revolve around each other, that all plays its own little factor in how things move around and how you're able to address certain things. Because let's the uh, example is us as aircraft mechanics, we're very brash, we're very abrasive, we can cuss a lot. And for us, that's a language in of itself. It's very easy to understand how someone is acting, feeling, or needs to address just based off the gruff of their face or the fl- inflection in their voice. We get it. Right. right. I mean, you, you could you could look at it as like Lord of the Rings characters. Uh, yes. We as the we as the maintenance crews are orcs, and we're we're we we have the black speak. Yes, right, and nobody else understands it except for us and our and our and our minions. But uh, corporate speaks, you know, the elven tongue. Yes. <laughs> so, so like, you have to learn, figure out some way to get, convert your black speech into the elven tongue, so that somebody at that level can go, "Hey, those." Those gritty mother effers down there could really use this. And while they're all patting themselves in their office, you get what you wanted in the end anyways. Yes. <laughs> and so again, again, with the Elven speak and the black speech, there has to be a way to, as MVP said, you have to be a way to translate this stuff, right? And how to play it with how other departments or divisions or sections, how they play and understand it. And a common myth with a lot of this is you either be a good person or you can play the office politics. That's 100% myth. There's a total, there's a hundred percent total way of understanding and speaking towards the, the, the environment of your, of the place you're in and still be a good person. Right. Uh, we, I think we're very scarred as in today's environment. Like it's either you're a good person or you're a politician and all politicians are terrible. Maybe. <laughs> but in, in as far as like the workplace is concerned, like being someone who's very versed in how the political environment within the workspace works, it just means you're a person who knows how to interact with people. Right. Or you're. Well, yeah. It, it, so Six and I mentioned this in some of our earliest episodes and probably periodically over the course of the show, but. Um, it's one of those where nobody, you know, you're not in a position where people are going to look and listen to you. So what do you do? You get it in the ear of somebody who does, and then you let it go. And then watch a month, two months, three months later, that, that manager goes out and says, I have a great idea, everyone. And they go, wow, that's it. That is an excellent idea. You you played chess right then and there. Yep. You might not have realized he said, well, that's not fair. They get all the credit. Yeah, but you knew what it took to win. Yes. Right. You still <laughs> knew what was necessary for you to get what you wanted. 
while they may get the upfront in face, you know, pats on the back, you, you're the ultimate winner for the results of that decision. And, and, and you knew what it took to, to make that, uh, that play. Yes. And I mean, I'll be the first to admit I freaking suck at chess. <laughs> like I, I would have to put, I remember when it was like windows 93 or something like that, when you could actually have chess as a game, like it was a built-in game for your um, computer. I would have to put it on like the easiest mode possible and I would still fucking lose. <laughs> I'm going to be the first to admit I suck at it. Like a kid can beat me in chess. That's how sad I am. But what I do appreciate about something like chess and office politics in general is or actually the physical game of chess. What I like about it the most is it makes you consider what your capabilities are and how you can best employ those. Right. Uh, Example is the pawns, man. Like we we've been saying pawns a lot. Like uh, a lot of people really underestimate the pawns in chess itself. Like just like whatever, it's just the little wall blockers. They're just there to make to take the dive and fall on the sword kind of thing for the the better part of the game. But uh, for the non chess players out there, like these little thing, these little pieces can actually make the moves that that can win the game really, and. That's the one thing I've I've uh, respected the most, I guess, out of chess as far as application anywhere else is like you gotta consider what your capabilities are, what your what your gaps are, and how the best way possible to use them, right? Right. So you're always looking at at well yours, but your your more importantly your opponent's strengths and weaknesses. Yes, that's and it. where to exploit and where to capitalize. There, there was an exercise. This is reminding me of something uh, as far as like workplace uh, application. It was called uh, SWAT, uh, S W O T, not not SWAT like cops. SWAT. I mean, that's a totally different thing. But SWAT. SWAT. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was stand for strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and I think it was threats. I think that's what it was. Yeah, I want to say that's what it was. So, this like when you were active duty, yes, yes. Okay, and I want to say like they teach this to business executives too. Because they may have called it something different, but that's more or less what I understood it as. So, like same thing, straight. What's your strengths? What's your weaknesses? What opportunities can you exploit? And what are potential threats that can eliminate your that can counteract your opportunities and your strengths? Basically, like highlight your weaknesses. And if we were to say apply this to like guys on the line. My strength is, is I am a lead. I have three guys who are fully certified. And then my weaknesses, I have 11 brand new, never seen an aircraft before, just re- or 11 just fresh off the school mechanics. Those guys are technically my weaknesses. They're my strengths, but they could also be a weakness because now I have to allocate extra time to teach these people how to work on the aircraft, work on the line, et cetera, et cetera. Opportunities is like if I have like if I have some extra labor that I need to get done or I have some classes that I have available, that's an opportunity to get these guys going. And then say like a threat would be something like COVID where we're, where our, our time at work is very limited. Our number of people who can be at work is very limited. Uh, got, uh, people can get sick and be out of pocket for the next two weeks or whatever the case may be, that be considered a threat. And that all in line comes in with chess 
as far as like how to maneuver your your strengths and exploit other people's weaknesses and that that's kind of a terrible thing to say but like <laughs> like how to um how to take advantage of the gaps uh, to better yourself and the people around you and that was pretty long-winded i'm sorry <laughs> no no that's fine it's, it's really it's, it's really well said um yeah what you mentioned like it sounds really negative right we keep saying strengths weaknesses um yeah i'm sure a lot of people are listening to this and going geez sounds like a bunch of lions on the serengeti getting ready to tear apart a gazelle but um it's not so it's not so like harsh you know strengths and weaknesses uh, your strengths could be hey you're you're very well spoken you know how to present yourself and project yourself and get your point across uh with you know without so much prolixity um involved you know you know brevity is your is your strength uh others might be hey you know i'm not good with words but i can put together one hell of a presentation and i can give you numbers and facts all day to prove why what I'm presenting is a necessary step in the right direction. Um, you know, it's stuff like that. And on, you know, same thing on the line. You say, if you're the, if you're, if you're the maintenance lead, Hey, if you got a sheet metal work done, are you going to put the person who spends their entire day doing avionics on sheet metal? No, that would be inefficient. Now, unless, Unless you're not crunched for time, which we all know in aviation, we're always crunched for time. Yes. But if it's a little slower that day, you might say, hey, you know, Sh- Shlomo, go work with uh, you know, Hacksaw over there and learn <laughs> and learn uh, learn some sheet metal and vice versa. You could say, hey, Hacksaw, go go pin some cables with Shlomo. But um, those are the strengths of those individuals. And then conversely, you know. Sheet metal is going to be the weakness of AVI, and and uh, AVI is going to be the weakness of sheet metal. But you you use those as a maintenance lead to capitalize and get your workload done and done as fast, safe, and efficiently uh, as possible. Yes. And all to meet your flight schedule, your 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 deadlines, keep your fixed rates low, all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. And that's another point, right? So maybe as maintainers, we don't see we don't see the data and stuff that's presented to our our uh, investors, our senior execs, those dealing with the money. But you know, you as a maintainer are are the starting point for for your management uh, going to bat for you and fighting for these things because people at the corporate levels go. Uh, you go, well, you go, Hey, I need new tools. You know, the tools we got are old. They're worn out. Um, we need a new snap on box and it's $50,000 in total box included with these specific tools that we need. And upper management's going 50 K for some tools. Uh, you've been getting by just fine to this point. So why do you need it now? And they're not going to say, they're not going to go, well, we could shade, you know, um, they're not saying that you damn near die every time you plug in a in a pat in a hydro mule, a pack mule into the into the uh into the wall, right? <laughs> they're not seeing they're not seeing you use vice grips to uh to Drive a tug. operate the <laughs> to operate the tug. But what they do see is that hey, every time I go to use this tug and I have to use vice grips to operate it, 
and the throttle sticks and this and that while I'm towing a $40 million jet and I risk damaging this jet and subsequently we could lose our entire business out of that. Um, that's when they start listening, right? So yes. that's how you can be smarter as uh, and playing the chess game as a maintainer and saying, geez, these little, these little things that I deal with every day that could bite me in the ass um, and ultimately the whole company should it go sideways enough, um, we need to get some attention and throw some funding at this or whatever else. That's how you play the chess game, and you got to present it numbers-wise. Yes. Uh, it's really risk and opportunity management is what it is. Um, but again, but still part of that chess game. Yes, very much so. And I love the fact that you mentioned that it's a risk and opportunities management because that's how anyone above a supervisor's level is going to understand how things work that you can tell them all day long. Like again, with the mechanic grunt speech, they don't understand. They, they don't get it. They understand you to a point just because you're human. But it, when you, when you start just saying your, your uh, grievances, that's all they take it as. It's just a grievance. Like what does that mean to me? Yeah. Eventually complaining is just heard as complaining. Yes. They're not listening to the actual words. All they hear is the tone. Yes. And uh, we, we've joked about this like a past couple episodes where we say like, well, I can get it fixed. It's going to take about six months and it's going to cost $400,000 or I can get it working. It's going to be about 20 minutes for $10. Either way, it's not going to be safe. <laughs> like what? <laughs> right. When you start throwing those, those kind of numbers and figures to them, I'm like, oh, wait, that's, we can't, we can't be down for six months. It's, we can't afford $400,000. I'm like, where where are these figures coming from? Here, let me show you, friend. <laughs> well, and that's where you as the maintainer work with your supervisor or your direct manager who has a little bit, they have that insight. They're that gap between the floor and the offices. And you say, boss, look, hey, this tug's a piece of shit. We got to use vice grips to operate it. It barely starts when it's cold out. The throttle sticks, the brakes are like, like we're really, somebody's either going to get hurt operating this thing or we're going to damage a piece of equipment and yes. and um and this is sucks this is a multi-billion dollar company blah 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 i can't believe we have crap like this well it didn't get to be multi-billion dollars by them spending uh all their money and and making sure that you're using bugattis as tow tractors <laughs> right. you know um they, they get there by pinching pennies in areas like that and that's the unfortunate but true side of every business right so so what your boss has to do and go goes okay uh have you priced out what it's going to take to repair this thing okay now let's work together let's price out what a new used uh tow tractor is now let's price out what a new tow tractor is now let's price out what it's going to cost to repair this $40 million aircraft, here's all the things that could go wrong if this tug malfunctions and we damage aircraft. Here's what it's going to cost parts and labor to fix all this stuff. And then you have to go, okay, also, does our insurance cover that? Oh, it doesn't. Then you also have to look at um, at the uh, egg-in-the-face aspect of it for the company. The owner of that jet's going to tell all his friends, do not go there. Because they'll damage your 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 asset just by towing it. 
Yes. So what are the, what are, so you got to look at dollar amounts, but then you got to also look at, Hey, future loss of business, right? That yes. guy might take his plane elsewhere and he's going to tell all his friends who own planes to take their, to take their jets elsewhere. So it's more than just a dollar amount, but the dollar amount is where you show everybody. Look, if we spend 15 to $20,000 on a, on a new used tow tractor, you know, we can spend, okay, let's spend, we can spend a hundred, 150 bucks replacing this throttle, trying to fix the brakes. But let's face it, this tug we're using is from the 60s. Or we could spend $20,000 and get this uh, five to to 10-year-old tug uh, that they still make parts for, replacement parts, and operates just fine. You know, or we spend... We spend forty thousand dollars and get this all electric tug, and then we can get tax write-offs for going green. Um, and we have a really brand new smart piece of equipment we can use. And then you go, but if we choose to not spend forty thousand dollars here, or twenty thousand dollars here, or one hundred and fifty dollars here, we might spend five hundred thousand here uh, replacing uh, broken landing gear. Uh, airframe inspections for for uh possible damage from jerking and jarring maybe smacking a wing into a a hangar or another aircraft you know i'm I'm long-winded here six but those are the kind of things that you as the maintainer are going to have to put together because the bean counters up your level they're gonna go yeah yeah you're telling me our tugs are piece of shit but we've been operating this long give me some give me some data that i can go to the investors and say Okay, here's why. Here's why I need to spend your money, and here's what it's going to cost. Right? Yes. Give me the risk. Give me the risk to reward. Oh, yes, that's it. The, that's the, it right the, there. The risk to reward. Oh, if I spend twenty thousand dollars, I'm going to save five hundred thousand. Prevent five hundred thousand dollars in damage over here. Now, is that one hundred percent true? Even with a brand new tug, you can still have an incident or mishap. But maybe that's just some poor, you know, from uh, driver error or whatever else, rather than faulty equipment. Yes. And that, that kind of goes into the next myth I was talking about, where you can never escape office politics. It doesn't matter where you go. It doesn't matter what organization you're with. There's always going to be some kind of politics. Pick and choose one. I guarantee we can pick that apart. A church, a, a nonprofit organization, the current workplace you're working to, the workplace you feel like working to, or if you just decide to be self-employed. Oh, that's 100% politics because no one gives a flying fuck about you and whatever small business you have. And then you, and you somehow got to play the can confirm the, yep. the game where you have to kind of coax people into trusting you. That that same old trust is one hundred percent politics. Like, how do I get your buy off, your trust, your vote, your your review, whatever? It's one hundred percent the same. Yeah, Doesn't matter where. Dependent. Every business is dependent upon a customer, right? So let's say you got your own restaurant. Somebody comes in and says, "Oh, I found a hair in my food." And and I'm upset and I'm never coming here again. And you're like, well, what's the hair? Oh, well, it's a bright green curly hair. Now, you know, nobody in the restaurant has bright green curly hair, but the person who's complaining who purchased the food does it. And they're not willing to recognize that it's their own hair in the food. But they're bitching and complaining to bitching and complaining. And you got to approach it and go, oh, very sorry to hear that. What can we do to rectify it? Blah, blah, blah. When deep down, you really want to go. I don't give like when they say I'm not coming here anymore. I don't give a fuck. Bye. 
you know, like, <laughs> yeah, you can't do that because you're dependent upon the business. So that's the political side of it too, where you want to go, you're like, Oh, if I was my own business, I'd never put up with this. No, you will. And you'd probably do it more so than you will in your current position because it's do or die. Uh, yes. when, when, when it's, when it's your ass on the line. Yes. You know, uh, and it's likewise went on the line. This kind of reminds me of a time, you know, like where the customer will say like, I'm never coming on this flight line ever again. Like, bye motherfucker. <laughs> like, Thanks for your time. And then it's almost in the exact same scenario where that person will spread words around, regardless if it was their fault or not. It's like, all oh, these people are terrible. They, their service is shitty. They don't give fuel in at ample time. They don't fix my plane or whatever at a, at a decent time and all this. And that word spreads. And next thing you know, like when you're trying to hop skip to another place or another organization, your name is somehow blasted in that rumor mill. And next thing you know, like you're, having to beg, borrow and steal to prove that you're not a piece of shit, you know? Well, right. Well, and you're, you're 100% right. So when I was working corporate jets, uh, with one of the companies, um, you know, you work for a business, but the customers of their aircraft learned you and your name. Yes. You work for an organization, but they learned you personally because they saw you on their asset. They saw your name and their logbooks, And so, your career in the corporate realm, like especially AOG maintenance was, was made on your name. So you were definitely playing the political game and schmoozing and kissing ass. So you would get those, you would get those personalized call outs. I used to get call, you know, they would call our, uh, our, uh, my boss who would, who would set us up with the work orders and stuff. And they would call and say, Hey, you know, I want MVP out on this. Oh, well he's off today. Well, when's he coming back on? Uh, he'll be back on shift tomorrow. Oh, right, we'll just wait then. They were willing to let their aircraft sit for another day just to know that I would be touching it. Whereas we had other guys on the, on the crew and there was a bunch of other guys that were like call outs like that. Right. We kind of all had our own owners that, that liked working with us. Yep. Um, and we had other guys in the crew. They're like, yeah, so-and-so is on shift today. Hey, you got, you know, you got these three on shift. No, they're off shift, but I got these guys. No, it's okay. I'll send one of those guys out. No, do not send one of them to my, you know what I mean? Like they, they learned that their, their work was less than adequate and they weren't willing to do that. They were willing to lose revenue flights to know that their aircraft was going to get fixed right the first time. Right. So that's that political game. That's where you set yourself up. People yes. are willing. It's that risk versus reward. People are willing to go. I will lose a $10,000 revenue flight by letting my aircraft sit a day to know that once this person performs a maintenance, I'm guaranteed 10 days of operation until the next scheduled uh, maintenance is due. You know, because it's hourly, a lot of that stuff's hourly. So, you know, average that out. I'm just saying 10 days, you know, 10 days from now, I, I'm going to get 10 solid days of flying with no issues until the next scheduled maintenance event. Right. Whereas they had some other guys like it might get off the ground. It might not. I guess we'll roll the dice, you know, <laughs> as sad as that is. Yes. And that I think that's a, that goes into the question where it's not, is there politics there or not? It's more the question of what kind of politics do they have? Right. Is it the one where I have to routinely kiss someone's ass just to get anything moving? Or is it one of those where like I can come in there of a handshake, and just Look show my work. Eye. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then let that roll. It, it's, it's one of those that you, 
sometimes you can kind of see how it is from the outside looking in, but other times you have to kind of just dive in or just find someone who's near the edge of where you're at, who's willing to kind of spill the beans about how the environment or the climate is like. It's sad, but that's just how it is. And that kind of goes with chess as well. Like, like uh, if you notice a lot of professional chess players, they kind of just walk around the tables a bunch of times. Or even with uh, guys who go to casinos, I see this a lot too, where they'll kind of just walk around the tables and see how everything's playing out. What kind of people are there? What's the dealer making motions like? Or what's the average time till someone makes a move? And then you can kind of sort of position yourself like, that's where I want to go, <laughs> right? Right, yeah, you, you're you adapting, right? Chess yes. teaches you to adapt. Okay, I got my next three moves lined up. Boom, they move. They move the knight over here. Boy, that's that a, blew my plan apart. All right, on to the net, you know. Yes, and that, that's another one I, I appreciate about chess too is creating plans. Um, like you said, like you're thinking three, four, five moves ahead. If you're a professional one, I'm sure you can probably think of more, but uh, as far as like applying to yourself in as a maintainer, or as any type of person within the organization, like if you're not thinking three to four levels above you, you're only hurting yourself. If you're just thinking about what your environment is and how you're just like this little spheres floating around in space and you just revolve around your work and nothing else. Sure, you'll go unnoticed. I mean, no one's going to bother you. But at the same time, no one's going to think of you should any issues happen. Right. <laughs> right. And and that kind of goes into the creating a plan. Like if something goes down or what what should I do next? How do I best accomplish this? What happens if this goes wrong, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then just like as MVP mentioned, like you got to learn to adapt because not the one thing I've, I've learned or one thing MVP and I have learned about plant is you can spend all the time in the world to get it down on paper, right? And then 80% of the time it's going to go wrong. <laughs> oh, yeah. Or, uh, it, it takes it takes one one stone to throw off your one pebble to throw off your whole day. Yes. You know, uh, you can put all these. Like Six said, you can put all this 80 hours into building a solid plan, but you, and you can try to account for every contingency uh, if you can afford it. Um, but then one, one, one lone bird strike wrecks you for the whole day or week. Right. Or like, it, and so, you know. or like, uh, say like a, a missed uh, supply run or a, a bad O-ring or some shit can throw the whole thing out of whack a, a parts recall yes oh man i hate those <laughs> i hate those with a passion <laughs> i have 15 of these parts but they just got recalled so here we are yes uh what is it what, what is it um for some major companies they do like a um a notice of escape i think it's called notice for, of escape yeah yep yep so like a notice of escape, like, hey, just letting you know these these batch of parts are bad. And then you start looking through like, fuck, there, there goes my half my supply system. <laughs> and in most cases, like the average maintainer is not going to realize this, but their leads will and their supervisors will because they get those kind of notifications. And then that's when you start hearing stuff like, hey, everyone turn in this tool. Everyone look through these parts, make sure they're they're good. They're not matching these serial numbers or whatever the case may be. or uh, even more so, like say recalls, they say we need all these aircraft to get grounded so we can inspect all these for X, Y, Z discrepancies. 
I mean, maybe it may be not be bad, but just the fact that you have to take it in and exert all those uh, maintenance hours to verify that freaking sucks. <laughs> yeah, and, but all but all accurate and all have happened. Yep. And so, like when these come, like you have your whole uh, maintenance plan set up for the month, the week, whatever, and then this thing, something like this drops, and then all of it goes to shit. You know, have guys are on leave, or you have guys who are six. So you kind of maneuver stuff around to make to address the gaps and then something like this drops and now you're like, hey man, how sick are you? <laughs> right? Or I, I know you just went on vacation, but can you cut it short a couple of days or something like that? It's happened to us too, a whole bunch of I, times. Yeah, you're talking about the sick, the sick one, like, how sick are you? Well, um, it's like 30 minutes between throwing up where I was about every five minutes. So so I mean I've been out there on the line changing a part under an engine i got one bucket for oil and fuel and one bucket for me to throw up in <laughs> and uh that's just the way it goes <laughs> yeah no, that was my, the same phrase for me when mine was for food poisoning for once we're like every 30 minutes i have to like go that's yeah pee that's, what my happened, ass. <laughs> that's what happened with me too yeah it was uh in a deployed location like i don't know what we all ate but it took it hit us all differently but like the first day, like two guys went down. We're like, man, that sucks. The next day, uh, those guys were sort of feeling better. Another guy went down and like, I made it through the whole thing. I was like, wow, I can't believe I came out of this unscathed. And then the last, like when everybody was finally feeling better, boom, gone, <laughs> gone, all, dude. It all broke loose. <laughs> yeah. So the, the, the damn, like the MREs that had stuffed me up had finally <laughs> gave way, <laughs> gave way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So here's another myth that we've uh, we see a lot is, or most recently, is a lot of people think that because everything is going virtual, that the politics don't exist. I can I can verify this or I can confirm this that that's 100% false. If anything, the politics get stronger because now it's virtual. Like we oh, have yeah. to see anybody can anybody can play it from anywhere. Yep, like and uh, they're not afraid of getting hit in the face for it. Yes. <laughs> right. Or like, I'm not present to defend myself. So they just feel like I automatically agree with you. Right. Or um, they, whereas you can say, you can make some kind of excuse. Like I can't do this. It's going to interfere with my commute or it's going to, it's going to interfere with our maintenance plan or what I got going on for the day or some shit like that. Right. But when it's virtual, like you have no excuse now because all it takes is for you to turn your computer on or turn your terminal on. And then you're right then and there, like, oh, son of a bitch. <laughs> yep. And then, especially with uh, virtual, a lot of people are getting very, let's say, arrogant with the email chain or with the uh, messenger chain. Oh man, I can't. I, I'm I'm gonna try to bite my lip on that one because a lot of individuals will really try to circumvent a lot of stuff just based off of emails, or they'll try to justify a lot of stuff just based on emails. And yeah, I like to play that rock paper, rock paper rank. Yep, and uh, and you kind of you kind of see that passive aggressiveness in their signature line, right? Yep. Like they'll put like some uh, other suffixes besides doctor or <laughs> or whatever, like MBA, MBP, yeah, SIX, PMP, PIMP, <laughs> OFM uh, cap or some shit. You know, like, yeah, and you're like, <laughs> what? What is all this? 
it, it just sounds like some alphabet soup, like some random code generator. You know what I mean? Well, yeah. <laughs> like I ran into this recently. I was doing a, uh, I was doing a government property audit. That's what I was doing. Yep. And uh, went talking to this one, one group. Um, now they don't really work it, like they're on my program, but they're not, they're within a different sector. And I was like, Hey guys, I'm here to do this and this and that and the other. And they're like, uh, yeah, we're not doing that. And I was like, Oh, okay. Well, I was told you guys were already briefed and I'm just coming to ask some questions and validate a few things. I'm like, yeah, we, we're not doing that. And our director said so. And basically the director calls me and was like, uh, yeah, I, I don't care. I don't care. Uh, you don't work for me. I don't work in your chain. So why don't you uh, go back from whence you came? <laughs> and that was one of those. And I, you know, right. Playing the game of chess. I know my position. I'm a, I'm a low level guy. So I go, I go Roger that save me some headache and heartache do 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 walk back and, and tell, you know, tell the person who told me to go do that job. said, Hey, so-and-so director over there said pound sand. They're not dealing with it. And and this person goes, well, they have to. They're blah, blah, blah. I'm like, well, you can fight that at your level. I'm, uh, I know where I'm at, right? So my chess game was going back, and I'm I was the I was the the pawn, and I went and told the knight who was going to go tell the queen. You know, like that. That's how I played that chess game. Cool. Well, you guys, let me know when you get this sorted out. I'll be over here pawning it up. <laughs> just, just staying in my lane not we don't pawn things over here <laughs> moving straight and or and or left and right <laughs> right i go, go diagonal for this guy <laughs> i'll go diagonal once and that's only just to make a kill and that's it <laughs> yep. other than that I'm, I'm i'm lost i'm blocked i can't do shit <laughs> and so that's another thing too is that a lot of people think that just because we're social, like we're very chatty or we're very um, interactive with people, uh, almost extroverted, if I, I guess that's the word, that p- being politically intelligent is inherent, right? Like, oh, I know how to talk to people. I understand how politics works. Like, that's part of the game, but that's not all of it, right? Just, just because you come off as popular or you know how to talk or whatnot, it doesn't mean people are willing to buy into your shit. Right. A uh, case in point is like, say you have that one mechanic that feels that they know how to get things done. And the only reason why they get things done is because someone, someone else is watching their back and they get kind of complacent with it and think that they can do all sorts of shit. And then when their backup plan or their, the person that's actually the source of their success is not there, they get that rude awakening real fast. <laughs> oh yeah. So um, it's, it's something that you kind of have to work on. Being aware of it is one thing, but being able to work on it and improve yourself with it is something you got to be conscious and actively trying to improve on. Because just to, just feeling that you know how a certain type of person talks or how a certain person works or how a certain person thinks is not going to be the end-all be-all for you. It may help quite a bit, but it's not going to, guide that through a hundred percent of the time it's kind of like uh like like a game of chess again like you think that because the person you're playing against is nine years old and you're not or you're in your high high 20s mid 30s that you're gonna whoop that person's ass and then you find out like this nine-year-old kid is like a freaking super genius and beats you in like five moves you know right (laughs) 
but again, but again, that kind of as far as like say mechanics are concerned, like just because you know the job, you know the tech pubs, you know the procedures, that is just going to automatically win whatever game there is. I can tell you now, or at least MVP, and I can tell you now, like just because you have the smarts and you have the book to back you up, it doesn't mean it's going to go right a hundred percent of the time. Uh, case in point is our careers. <laughs> well, that's uh, that's back to kind of like you know, sort of about managing your resources. You're a, you're a, you're a, you know, a red hot tech. You got, like six said, you know, the items, you know, the job in and out, you know, this and that. Well, that's good for certain moves. That's good for certain moves against certain opponents, but eventually you're going to need another set of moves on your side to punch up at a higher position. Right. Um, yep. So when you're playing, you're going to want to manage your resources on the board. Yeah, I do need these pawns here. Not only do they provide this information, but they can also uh, block this this uh, outside party coming over and saying, "Well, you're not following. You're not following tech pubs." Nope. Boom. I am, and here's this guy proving it right here. Um, you know, you're going to want to keep keep some key players around and not sacrifice them too soon. Yeah. Uh, to win the game because chess is not a sprint. Yes. Now I know there are some grandmasters out there who we've all seen them like on YouTube and they like two plays and they've, they've checkmated. Well, most of us play the long game. Yes. I, I'm definitely one of them. Cause if I try to be aggressive and make the killing move quick, I always find myself on the back end freaking trying to reel back what I just did wrong. Like, no, I'm sorry. (laughs) Now, is it possible to, is it possible to uh, take advantage and strike while the iron's hot in any given situation? Absolutely. Right. But that's only given that you understand the environment you're in. You're aware of your surroundings. You are aware of what you have going and what you have going against you. And then if the best possible move is to strike while it's going good, by all means, but there's a good chance that that's uh, not say baiting you, but that's a good chance that that's not what is it, what it seems. And you end up making the wrong uh, decision and you lift and you're actually trying to backpedal to fix whatever you did wrong. Um, example is like, say you're trying, you want to one shot a plane back home because you just want to get it up and out of there and get back to doing whatever you were planned to do before that. It sounds like a great idea. I mean, we've made decisions to one shot uh, things back to base or back to yeah, home ferry station. Flight them. Yeah, ferry flight them. But it's one of those like uh, one of those risk maneuvers that it can pay off good or it can be terrible because now because <laughs> now like on the way there, it might something else might have broke or something else might have gotten damaged. So it maybe it did land where it's supposed to, or maybe it didn't. And then now you have to answer for all these extra things, even though in your right mind, you were, you felt justified in doing it. And that kind of goes into what MVP was saying about, about these master chess players or any kind of master for for that matter. Like it's, it's very beneficial to learn from these people who know how to make these moves, both chess as a whole and um, career maneuvering. Or career advancement. That sounds bad. Career maneuvering. That sounds terrible. But uh, advancement in your career is like find yourself a mentor, find yourself a coach, someone who even knows uh, the things that you're missing. 
Uh, it can be something as low level as just a fellow coworker just calling you on your bullshit. Uh, as for mentioned in a previous episode, hey, sometimes you just we just need that individual who just just talks shit to us. <laughs> hey, you know you're being a little bitch today. Like, yeah, you're right. <laughs> I am sorry. You get better, right? But you also need somebody who's played the game longer than you, right? You need your own grandmaster. Yes, you can have your your coworkers and 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 and. You know, friends and and same level uh, employees uh, help you out, but eventually you need to learn from somebody from a knight. You need to learn from you know a queen. You need to learn from what's the other one? A rook? Is that the is that the uh, the rook's the one that goes up uh, up down side to side? Yeah. So you you need you need some of those in your life to learn from as you progress, so you can add those those skills to your toolbox when you're going to fight for your crew and and better equipment or or tools or better shifts um you know how to approach it you can't go in and go this all sucks and here's why nobody's going to listen to you when you can but if you can go and present it and say this is uh not continued you know this is not conducive for sustained operations and here's some factual data to back it up hmm interesting okay what do you got you know yes Uh, that's where those grandmasters who have been playing the game for a lot longer than than you uh it's kind of like uh your grandparents wisdom right yes been on the earth a lot longer than you and kind of those uh learn from our mistakes learn here's what worked and here's what didn't so don't waste your time and energy on what doesn't yes absolutely and that that kind of goes into reframing your mindset Right. Like, uh, don't just start thinking of like the chess game or the, or office politics as something as evil. Right. Uh, look, it is, don't think of it as like, I'm sucking up to the boss because a lot of us have done that. Right. They think like someone who's playing the long game is just sucking their way to the top. Some do don't get us wrong. Some do, but But some, but some suck start a shotgun too. (laughs) That's that's terrible, (laughs) but it's true. Like, but is it sucking up or are you just building your relationships, right? To actually get things moving, right? Sometimes you got to grease the wheel a little, a little, a uh, little extra to get it going. Yeah. Now we, we, you've heard us say the uh, squeaky wheel gets the grease, but how much grease are they going to apply before they cut the wheel off? Yes. Or just replace <laughs> you know it all together. I mean? So you can't just be squeaky all the time. Cause eventually they're going to go, well, no amount of grease has fixed it. So let's amputate. Right. Let's just replace it. A new wheel. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so that, that's once one thing that one solid thing you can do besides uh, finding a grandmaster. First, you got to find one, right? You get, but the only way to find one is just to expand your, your awareness and expand your, your influence by influence. I mean like uh, being able to help someone when they, when they need it. Being the most reliable person on the line, being that one person that people want to hire for a job, or, or, like as MVP said, like I will sacrifice a flight so that this person can can work on my plane. That's all part of influence. You you definitely want that. You definitely want to be that person. I promise you. And then I promise you, you want to be the one people are willing to to scrub money just to have you put your hands on their asset. That yes. sounded super dirty, but 
<laughs> but I, political I, corporate chess. <laughs> yes. And then you got and you got to evaluate your style against what's the environment playing, right? Um you don't try, like you were saying with the chess thing, you don't go full speed right off the bat unless you know what you're doing. Right? If so evaluate your style, like are you the kind of person who likes to challenge others you know you'd like to dissent and you want to know the why behind the why before you act on something or you just kind of like by principle accept things the way they are right you gotta see where you fit into the environment and how you can best help that um we call this uh from the managerial level up is value added right where's your value added like are you and, and and know this right uh, something six just said, kind of jog this in my memory. Um, uh, when he says, you know, where do you fit? Are you the one who wants to know the why, or do you accept things for what, what it is? Um, maybe you think you lean more towards the why, but you keep getting told to because I said so. So you turn into the accepts it for what it is. Know that you are sacrificing some pawns in this game of chess. Like you're not getting out keeping every piece. It's not happening. Right. Absolutely. Uh, uh, so sometimes when your boss says do this and you go, why? Uh, that doesn't make sense. I have some questions and suggestions and they go, shut up and color. Let it burn. Sacrifice that pawn. Be a good soldier. And it does what it's told. And when it blows up in their face and they go, man, I took this to the meeting. This, this was crap. And I got shit all over by the executives. Oh, wow. That's crazy. <laughs> Anyways, you know. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and th- this was a big one that we've kind of learned throughout our careers is relationship currency. What that means is like, if, if you build your relationships with people, uh, with your teammates, your coworkers, other section mates, other division mates, people within your organization, if you build a, a good relationship with them and they know that the stuff that you bring to the table, regardless of what it is, you know, it's going to be good quality work ethic or whatever the case may be, like they can trust you then you have some good relationship currency and then you can use that to buy your way through a lot of stuff. Like if you need a favor to ask for a certain supply search, or if you need someone to pull in some extra time to help get this uh, flight off the ground, whatever the case may be, if they have that relationship currency with you, they're willing to spend it on you or you're, will- or you're able to spend it on them to get things rolling. And the only way to do that is to is to ha- un- have an understanding of the political environment you're in in your workplace and how to grow that influence and then again with the chess game like you sometimes you got to you got to bring the night out and make some quirky moves to get things positioned the way you need it to be but they're willing to do it for you because you have that built up with you and uh, the I think we've said this throughout the episode again is you got to constantly improve your your awareness with this all some call it savvy some call it uh political intelligence whatever the case whatever you guys want to call it you gotta continuously improve this it's kind of like working a muscle like uh, once you let it go and trust us we've we've let go a lot (laughs) yeah i mean you gotta know what you gotta know which mountain's worth dying on you can't you can't die on every molehill yes or uh every anthill as we say like this the anthill you're gonna die on Yeah, this is the anthill you're choosing to die on. Man, it's smaller than the one you chose yesterday, but okay. That's where, but, you know, so that's how some people are, though. Like, every every issue is a big issue to them. Yes. Yeah, and, and maybe 
maybe it is to them, but that's just the level they're at. Right. But you got to know, you got to know what's worth letting go. What's worth sacrificing for the, uh, for the bigger picture for the, for the larger goal. Yes. And again, again, like uh, understanding that sa- understanding where you fit and understanding what's your current strength and what's your current weakness. And just know that, you know, you got to constantly evolve with this because like, like all things, your workspace environment is going to constantly shift. It's going to constantly change. It's going to go get better. It's going to get worse. It's this huge wave of stuff that's just going to keep on coming. And when you can choose to uh, go with the wave or you can choose to fight against it, whichever case you got to understand, like you can't just sit by and let it happen. Or maybe you can, and that's nothing, there's nothing wrong with that. But just know like, you're going to constantly keep getting hit by that wave. And over time, the rock's going to erode away and then you're just going to get washed away with the tide. So a little info on that. This kind of hints towards the corporate side of stuff, which we're now accustomed and exposed with. This is the same type of stuff that these uh, senior executives or stakeholders play around with. And it sounds terrible, and but that's really how the scheme is or how the the way things work is. They shift things around. They pawn things up. It can be uh, disputes over a contract. It can be disputes over who gets what funding. And sometimes, like as MVP said, you gotta let you you gotta let the soldier die, or let the yeah, the pawn get give, sacrificed. It's give and take, and it's compromise, right? And at those upper levels. You know, if you're if you're a pawn like uh, like I am, uh, sometimes you're at the whim of 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 the of the king and queen on the chessboard, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but just because you're a pawn doesn't mean you can't make uh, killing moves. Yes. So you just got to be smart about what that killing move is. You can't. You can't try to try to hold your ground on everything like like you know let stuff burn and be the phoenix and rise out of those ashes and uh yes and uh come back stronger yes and then building all this up actually will help you in your career wise whether you decide to move up you decide to move side to side on having those having that political intelligence or that office intelligence can really assist in you progressing upwards or you trying to transition to something else because now you have something to to back you up and and that's again its own chess maneuver that's something that we are constantly evolving with ourselves or learning how to do ourselves because sometimes you know you're just gonna run into something that's totally outside of your norm totally outside of your planning something you've never seen before and then you just might get that one person who knows how to one shot you <laughs> in one yeah and, and and you can use these chess moves uh not only for your brag sheet right when it comes to your end of year reviews uh what did you do this year well i used my political savvy to uh to get a new tug for the for the shop and here's how i did it oh wow so as you're that you know okay well here's x y z you know percent merit increase or you're interviewing for another job uh, you know, uh, what's what's one accomplishment you've had in the past year? Oh, well, you know, I presented a, a risk and opportunity management slide deck to the program leadership and, you know, enveloping uh, 
developing a risk to reward versus, you know, not replacing this tug and here's what could happen or we replace the tug and this doesn't happen. And ultimately we were able to get a new tug, right? And that shows that that hiring manager goes, wow, this person's got, has got some savvy, especially if you're trying to go for, for an executive position or whatever, they're going to go, okay, you've got some experience in this realm. You're what I'm looking for. Yes. You know, it's, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that because this just rang a bell in my head. Like if you're trying to go for a C-suite position, like senior executive, president, vice president, director, whichever the case, that's actually one of the key markers that they look for is can you build relationships and then do you have a trusted network of professionals that you can, that, that you can create? It sounds very political. It sounds very vague. But what that really means is like, can people trust you and can you, you, can you network with people to build a circle of trust and, and a system of relationships where you can get things done and it helps move things in the right direction? That's- well, that's exactly right. Because as you're, as you're under the microscope uh, for consideration for an upper level position, your past work is viewed and they're going to go... And if you can build, if you've built a solid team that was able to, to uh, shake the foundations of the organization in a positive way, they're going to go. This person definitely knows what it takes to build a team. They might not be the subject matter expert, but they know how to pull in each each body who is. Yes, you know, um, and and that's definitely key for leadership. Not even at the executive level. Again, if back down on the hangar floor and flight line. You can have the worst leadership above you in the world, but you might have the best maintenance crew ever just because you recognize the strengths and weaknesses of each of your teammates and you, and you uh, capitalize on those strengths and, uh, and, and seek to uh, strength, uh, seek to, to build up uh, the weaknesses to where they're not so much of a weakness anymore. Yes. That's exactly it. And that, that's the lowest level of politics there is because every team is going to have their, their wants and abrasions with everybody. No, no one's going to 100% agree with every, everything. And it may be like real small arguments or real small differences, but they're there. And if you, and if you let it go enough, it's going to keep on building. So that's another example of like uh, being uh, office politics savvy to have these individuals, whether they're the same or not, cohere together and get the job uh, accomplished. Uh, it could be a two-person team, three-person team, or it can be a whole section of tw- t- 12 to 25, whichever the case, whatever the scale, it applies regardless. And there's no escape. <laughs> there really isn't. And the maneuvering of it all chess-wise or chess illustration-wise is all as MVP says, like this is how you move up. This is how you get the job done. This is how you get recognized and come up for awards and stuff like that. And as as sad as that, as sad as this may be to some people, that's how things work. And that's how you are able and then becoming aware of this is probably going to be your first great step in accomplishing more of your potential than just someone discovering you by sheer luck or accident it's yeah. it's very rare that happens 
like very rare. Like sometimes like it, you can almost go your entire career and no one will know you're a badass until someone decides to be the, your uh, advocate for this and talk you up the chain. Uh, any, uh, any final thoughts or anything else you'd like to add MVP? So my final thought is if you think you're a, a chess master in the workplace, um, you're not, but you could be better than others. Uh, and just when you think you've, you've, uh, you're a grandmaster, guess what? Now there's speed chess. Uh, <laughs> and, and oh, okay. Well, now you've gotten better at streamlining your, uh, checkmates. Cool. Uh, uh, you may have seen a thing called 3D chess, three-dimensional chess. Good luck to you. Because <laughs> now you're you're playing chess on different planes and different <laughs> levels um, for the same game. So, so uh, be mindful of your limits. Yes, exactly. Um, my, my final thoughts on this is just know that it exists everywhere. There's no escape. And the best option for you is to understand where you fit and how best to utilize what you have using those same chess-like skills to improve yourself and to get your team across to get the job done, whatever that, whatever that goal or job may be. Like, it's, it's definitely going to help you in the long run. The sooner you realize it, the sooner you learn to master it yourself the better things are going to be, the more streamlined your job's going to be, whether you decide to remain in place or you decide to move side to side, up or, da- up or down. It's, it's totally beneficial and it's something that we are constantly learning to evolve with ourselves because the environment we're in constantly changes, constantly. I mean, the upper uppermost uh, pyramid echelon group of it may change once every... 10,000 years or some shit but the stuff that directly affects us it's constantly evolving it's constantly moving so um, understanding where you fit in it and how to orient yourself to the effect where you can have a positive influence is something we continually need to work on but but tell us what you think like are we talking out of our ass or do you feel is there something more that we need to address or do you have some tips and tricks that you might know in your master's level awareness of your of your chess game or your office politics like let us know in in the comments let us know on on our social medias or email us in our uh, on our website and tell us what you guys think what are your thoughts what are your concerns and all of this or if you need some help in understanding more of this we're more than able to help again just reach out to us or you can join us on our private discord and we can maneuver this any way shape or form to help best fit you and just know like we're slowly starting to offer more coaching opportunities for or are not coaching opportunities we're like starting to offer more coaching um yeah we're starting to offer more coaching to you so we can help you get your career to the way you want it to or at the very least like we can help you improve the ideas and methods that you have already and maybe point you into the right direction to get you some ones that may help you in the future once again just hit us up on our social medias join our discord or send us an email from our website at uh, cancelformanus.com and on that note thanks again everyone for listening and we'll catch you all again next time bye everybody we would like to take this time to thank our patrons for supporting our show 
and allowing us to make episodes, maintain our gear, and create merch for all of our listeners. With special thanks to Erica Lamont, Chris Hawkins, Eric Shaw, Dan Schubert, Ryan Frushauer, Kyle Keir, Mike Sherwood, Caleb Stockhill, and Jennifer Brofer. Thank you all so much for your support and patronage. If you like our show, please support us on Patreon. You'll receive awesome perks like access to our private Discord, discounts and early access to our merch, first glimpse of our comics and other projects, and so much more. You can further support us and show off your prowess as an aircraft specialist by visiting our shop at cancelformaintenance.com. If you like classy or rugged watches, visit our affiliate Rockwell Time at rockwelltime.com. Use the code CX, the number 4MX, to save 10% off your total order. If you have suggestions for the show or you'd like to be a guest on the show, send us a line on our contact us section at cancelformaintenance.com and we'll do what we can to get both your ideas and yourself on the show. Please support us on social media like Facebook at Cancel for Maintenance, Instagram at C-A-N-X for Maintenance Podcast, or Twitter at C-X-M-X Podcast. Please check out our new comic series on the Tapas app. Like, share, subscribe, and comment on our comics. Let us know what you think. Thank you all so much for your support and listenership, and we will catch you all next time.